folks, this is Kimberly Jessica reporting live today from Hollywood, California. I'm pretty excited because we have a special guest on the line with us. Let me tell you a little bit about this guest, and I'm positive that if you watch BET, you know who I'm talking about. He is, first of all, you know, I wanted to say also, when you think, I want you to think of people along the lines of like Johnny Mathis, how he looked in his young days, Philip Michael Thomas, how he looked in his young days. Um, that type of vibe going on, and he his most recent endeavor is in the television broadcast and entertainment sector, sector in the launch of the hip-hop reality television competition, One Shot. It debuted on BET back in August of 2016. Mike Smith, who's the owner executive produ- and the executive producer, producer, he stars as the main judge, along with owning the label SMH Entertainment. That will be the home of the winner of One Shot. One Shot is basically a hip-hop American Idol, and it will be hosted by, well, it is hosted, it's being hosted by Mike, and it will feature... Plenty of celebrity judge appearances, included, including, you know, uh, DJ Khaled. I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, because Lord knows I hate DJ butchering Khaled, his name. Yeah. Khaled, yes. <laughs> T-I-R-Z-A, Raza, Tech Nine, DJ Drama, and Twist Up. I mean, seriously, with a lineup like that, how can you go wrong? Mike is the driving voice behind making... King Crooked Concept, a reality. Mike, 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 Mike. I want to be like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, my God, Mike. You, you've got it. You've got a hell of a story. I mean, you're a songwriter. You're an artist and a musician. You've got this amazing song out that kind of caught my air, called My Kind of Beautiful. So we got to talk about that, too. But you you have a lot going on. You're that guy. So, so tell us about Mike, you know, because we want to be like Mike. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, I'm a... Uh... I'm a singer, songwriter, and a recording artist. I've been, um, you know, working for quite a while with some major artists. I've worked with guys from Guns N' Roses to Dave Matthews Band, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. you know. And, you know, I've also written, I, I play 12 instruments, and I write, like, six songs a day. So, Are you um, but, No, I'm not. So, um, like you said, though, when you listen to my song, You're My Kind of Beautiful, which right now, by the way, is at number 39 on the Billboard AC charts. So I've I saw that. I'm like, right now, dude, awesome, this is right? like, the, the <laughs> song is like playing in my head. I swear before you got on the line, you know, prepping with my producer and all that, and I'm singing, like, I'm singing in my head, I'm like, you're my kind of beautiful, and I'm saying, okay, so cool. this song is like playing in my head, and now I'm singing it out loud. So it definitely caught on to my reptilian brain, and it's becoming That's automatic. That's <laughs> awesome. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. man. So my lane has been working with these guys, writing songs, you know, playing the instruments, and I ended up getting a pretty good lane in hip-hop because I write so many songs and I play so many instruments, I'm really cheap to have in a studio. So, you know, if somebody wanted, you know, bass, guitar, piano, ukulele, a harmonica part, a mandolin part, whatever it was that they wanted, I could just sit there and do it for them. And I'm, I'm kind of like, what they call me is like the hook master. So I'm really good at writing a hook for a song. 
So which is perfect for hip hop because you catch a hook and then the rest of it is the rapping. You know, so you have the guy come in and do his, uh, they spit their 16 bars and then you've got my hook going back and forth. So. Wow. Long story, yeah, so long story short, um, you know, I've worked with King Crooked on a number of uh, projects and, um, he hit me up. Uh, my wife and I were out in LA and he hit us up on his idea for One Shot, which was a great idea, you know. I mean, nobody had done a rap American Idol before and we thought it was a really good idea. So we went to our collective friends. He brought in Sway and Tech, uh, Sway Calloway from MTV. He ended up being the host of the show. Um, brought in T.I., DJ Khaled, all the names that you mentioned. And we decided to, let's do a show. And, you know, it's actually, the bad story on this is actually great because we were originally just going to do something really kind of like just online and have some fun with it. And we ran one Facebook ad, and we went on Sway's morning show and announced it, and it was like it, it exploded. We had like a quarter million people register on the website, and Ooh. we started, yeah, and then we started filming in Charlotte, and the crowds for the auditions were huge. You know, it started oh like 2,000 people in Charlotte, then 4,000 in Atlanta, we had 5,000 in Chicago, and by the time we got to Miami, we were like, guys, we got to like not just do an online show. So we started kicking around to different networks, and BET was, like, the obvious choice, and they loved the concept, and they decided to run with it. Wow, 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 yeah. wow. That I can imagine if you came to L.A. Have you made it to L.A. yet? Yeah, I mean, I've been out. Yeah, I come to L.A. all the time. No, oh, for the, uh, the, the lineup. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. No, we haven't, sorry. Oh. <laughs> no, we haven't, we haven't done L.A. yet. No. First, season was, first season was Charlotte, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, and then the uh, finale and the semifinals were in New York. So probably season two will end up hitting L.A. for sure. Yeah, you got to come out here to us. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely. I you know, we'll probably just take over the entire city of Los Angeles alone, not to mention all the cats that will come down from Oakland, all the guys that will come up from Sandog alone. You'll probably end up having to do like a five-day run just being here. Oh, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. You know, in our original everybody here wants to be the next yep. Bone Thugs and Harmony or Tupac. Seriously. 100%. You're absolutely right. So now you've been running on BET. How has that been going for you? What is what? How does that feel? You know, with you being able to choose the next big guy in the rap game. I mean, it was extremely cool. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because, like you said um, before we got on the air, uh, I am probably I'm, I'm the guy that's on the like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, you've got like, all of these icons on, in hip-hop. Like, Sway is an icon. I mean, he's interviewed President Obama like 10 times. Uh, you've got wow. from Wu-Tang Clan. You know, Khaled is the biggest thing on the planet right now, T.I. Oh, it's not from that song last summer, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got this guy, Mike Smith, who dresses like a rock guy. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I mean, I'm, look, I'm looking at you, like I said, I'm looking at you, like, okay, this guy is, like, the total opposite, but you know what, it's usually that guy that's, that, that doesn't look like they belong, that usually ends up being the main man behind everything, so, yeah, yeah, that's why I said to you when you got on the line, wow, you look completely opposite of what you would expect someone that's the executive producer of a show like this to look like. Yeah, absolutely, but it worked, you know, I mean, it's worked really well, and it was kind of... Where, you know, everybody looked to me as the guy, you know, because I also own the label, you know, uh, I was writing the check. 
So whoever won, it was incumbent upon me to, it was my money that was being spent. So, you know, it was great. And from my perspective, I went at it from a bit of a business standpoint. Like, you know, if I'm not the ace hip hop guy, we need to surround ourselves with the people who are. And, you know, what was cool is, is that a lot of the kids who competed, um, they respected that. I got zillions of people on my social media who are always like, dude, you know, we know you're not a hip hop guy, but we really, really love the fact that even though you're like a rock guy, that you loved, that you you saw the value of this and pursued it, which is cool. You know, I mean, because great music's great music in my mind, regardless of the genre. And uh, there was, yeah, and these, I mean, the people who love um, hip hop in this in this genre and this culture, I mean, they never got their shot, which is crazy to me. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. real. It was really cool. Very great experience. You know, let me ask you this. What do you notice? Have you noticed that there has been a major shift in how music is done now versus in the 90s when, you know, hip-hop really kind of even more skyrocketed from the 80s? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I could go way in the weeds on this because I have, like, a whole economic theory on music genres. Huh? <laughs> um, but basically. So basically the way I look at um, music genres is that outside, of, except for pop and country, um, there seems to be about a 40-year um, life cycle of a music genre. And with that, it started with jazz. Jazz had its heyday in the 1920s and then kind of died off in the early 70s, other than for the diehards. You look at rock. Rock started in the 50s, you know, about 30 years into jazz. And then, you know, it kind of started trailing off in the 90s. And then hip-hop started in the 80s. And now we're kind of in that, you know, fourth decade of hip-hop. And if you look at the correlation between rock in the 80s and hip-hop in this decade, they're, like, identical. Except for the, you know, except for the sound of the music. I mean, you had 80s rock guys wearing spandex, makeup, looking all kinds of crazy and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what you have now in hip-hop. Right? They line up, and now you've got all of that in hip-hop. Whereas in the 60s, you know, like the, in rock, like the 90s in hip-hop, it was like the the legends were built. The Stones, the Beatles, the Who, Zeppelin, all of those guys. The 90s, you know, you got, you know, Eminem, Snoop, you know, uh, Tupac, Biggie. All of the monsters came out in the 90s, started in the 90s, and now they're the legends. So I think you're going to see, my gut is that EDM becomes the next genre that kind of, like, becomes, like, the uh, uh, more cultural movement uh, that hip-hop may start trailing off in the next 10 years or so. Just my gut. Now, now Mike, some people don't, believe it or not, some people don't know what EDM means. Can you share? Electronic dance music. There you have it. It there runs it is. the club, people. I had somebody literally ask me the other day, what's EDM? I'm like, you don't know what EDM? Have you been to the bar lately? <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you've well, been out? You don't get out much. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know how a genre is about to take off is when the guys who were the legends in the previous genre absolutely hate it. Absolutely hate it. Like, I can't oh. tell you how many rock guys hated hip-hop and then how many hip-hop guys hate EDM. Wow, that's when you know it's getting ready to be huge. Yeah, because that's it's a generational know. divide. It's a generational divide. And EDM is the perfect music for the uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat generation, you know? Yeah, 
They're on the move. They're, they're a set of people that are exactly. on the move. And they want everybody to see their every move. You see what I mean? Exactly. So having exactly. EDM playing in the background is like, yo, I'm having fun. I'm jumping off of a cliff as I'm eating a burger and I'm, you know, exactly. having fun and with my girlfriend and I'm petting my dog. Yeah, seriously, right. it's like they want everyone to see their every move. Now, let me ask yep. you this, because, you know, you and I could talk forever, because this is, right. just, this is just amazing. What, tell me, what, 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 what was your breaking point as you were coming up in life that you knew, because this sounds like Prince, you know, with all the instruments that you play, right? When was mm-hmm. it when you were coming up in life that you knew that this was what you wanted to be doing. You, this, when, when did that happen, Mike? Oh, it was when I was four years old. Um, oh, my that's God. When I first started play- yeah, that's when I first started playing guitar. I started taking lessons at guitar when I was four. And then when I was about 10 or 11, I started teaching myself how to play piano and bass and all of that. Um, you know, the, good, uh, the blessing for me is, is that God also blessed me with a good business mind, too. So I've been able to, you know, do other things that are, you know, business-oriented outside of the music industry as well. So I've had some successes in the IT world and stuff like that, too, um, that I've been really fortunate on. And, you know, I actually have a book out. <laughs> I mean, you know, I have a book out. Tell us about that. your book. So the book is called uh, Loving Each Day, and it came out a couple months ago, and it actually was an Amazon bestseller. And Look at you. The book. Uh, it's been a, it's been an amazing it's been an amazing year truly truly blessed uh, and essentially what the book kind of goes through is is um you know looking at your life deciding if you're living a life of passion or you're just living a life of quiet desperation and yeah. are you doing what you should be doing versus what you think you should be doing and are you kind of like constrained by all of the things that surround you the things that you think mor- morally speaking and ethically you're supposed to do. Um, you know, your reputation with your friends, family, and what they all expect of you. And then it's talking about breaking those chains and getting to the root of who you really want to be. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of goes through a process of that, you know, first it starts with changing your physical appearance if you're not happy mm-hmm. with the way you physically look. And then after you break that, <clears throat> once you break through that, you actually release a lot of the fears that are that you've been blocking um, and then you can start figuring out from there mentally where it is you want to go and uh, what will feed your soul. So that's kind of what the book is about. It goes through my journey through trial and error on finding my way to doing what I want, to live in the life I truly want to live. Are you a teacher? I'm not. No, not at all. <laughs> you are. It sounds like this is a, you sound like you should be running your own professor program or something. Oh, gee. <laughs> I don't know, Seriously? man. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I would tell you probably some people would beg to differ because I, I I talk about things like that, but then I also, you know, when it comes to, like, music and everything, that's very hard for me to teach. I have a very difficult time to, uh, teaching somebody what I do musically. I'm just, I, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I do it, and I don't know why how I do it. Because it's who you are. Instead of blood running through your veins, you have song notes running through your veins. That's. Really cool, and that's exactly how it feels. That's exactly right. I can't even begin to tell you how many songs I have sitting on my iPhone. And that's all. The, that's also not to get woo-woo-ish. That's also otherworldly. That's also very spiritual for you to have that capacity. That's spiritual as well. 
That's what you were made to yeah. do. That's what your soul was made to do. That's what your spirit was made to do. That's who you are on in any existence, in any plane. That's what you do. That's what you are. You're music. You are music. I appreciate music. that. And, and your, your words to God. <laughs> because that's what I love. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm just listening to you. And it's like, you know, my spiritual hat kind of, my ears kind of perked. And I was like, uh-uh, this is this runs through his veins. When you said four years old, that's when I came to yeah. the United States of America, when I was four years old, when I left my country. Oh, where did, and where did you come from? I came from Panama. Oh, get out of town. That's awesome. You know, I'm Cuban. My mother uh, came from Havana. Are you kidding me? So, so cool. oh, you yeah. you're speak Spanish. Uh, Paquito. Paquito. I, you know, Paquito, that's, Paquito. That's a, that's another crazy story. I'm actually related to Fidel Castro. You know, I was in Cuba in 2002, and it was the most spiritual, most spiritual experience that I ever, ever had, going to Cuba really? and spending 10 days there. Yes. And I saw Fidel. I saw him in 2002. Really? You, you know, you, yeah, I saw Fidel. Yeah, you know, you're only, I went in April of 2002. I remember going in 2008, because right, right, right after I came back, Left Eye had passed away from TLC. Oh, And wow. yeah, when yeah. I was there, usually Fidel goes to the town center to talk to the people in the country. He gives his speech uh-huh. and his annual address. And he talks to the people. And it could be like a 90 degrees out there. And the people will stand there for two to three hours to listen to Fidel talk. Fidel. And it was just amazing. And I I went to the Valley de Vinales, which is, you know, uh, it's a valley. And it used to be under the ocean. We learned all about Che Guevara, about Che. We learned, we went to where the revolution started, when they overthrew Bautista. It was just amazing. So now you know you've got to tell us, uh, you know, your story of Cuba. Please, just enlighten. Lighten us and share. This is amazing. So, this, that's what I'm saying. Like your book, your your book is yet to be written. There's more for you to write. I I, I hope so. Thank you for that. Um, oh, my grandmother true. and Fidel. My grandmother and Fidel actually grew up. They're first cousins, so they grew up together. Oh the same gosh. exact age. So they used to play together, hang out. You know, when they were little. And you know, when my my grandmother ended up marrying an American. Um, my mother, after my mother was born and my uncle were born, she ended up leaving uh, Cuba before he took over. She came back to visit when my mother was nine, and Fidel detained her and my mother. And my mom has this just um, uh, absolute visceral recollection of being detained and Fidel and my grandmother yelling at each other back and forth. And oh I don't know what she said to him, but whatever it was, he ended up uh, letting letting her and my mother go, and they were able to come back to America. And then, you know, you cut to a number of decades later, he ended up kicking out some more of our family from Cuba, and they lived with me, uh, my parents and I, when I was a kid. So we had six refugees who were our family members living with us for an extended period in New Jersey. And that was kind of crazy, you know, because the same thing. It it was amazing to me because these were brilliant people uh, who were penniless, you know. I mean, that, in essence, when Fidel took over in Cuba, I mean, he, you know, he kind of turned everything upside down and he had a purposeful intent to kind of drain the country of a lot of the intellectuals because it would be easier for him to govern. You know, without the people that he felt, you know, obviously, especially the people who he felt were politi- politically opposed to him. So, uh-huh. but, you know, 
Fidel, whether you agree with his politics or not, you know, whether you think he's a brutal dictator or, you know, a spokesperson for the, you know, for the working people of the planet, you've got to add a very minimum respect the fact that the man outlasted, like, Eight president. He lived. He outlived every U.S. president except for Clinton, Barack, except for Clinton and Barack and Bush. He outlived the Kennedy, every last Kennedy, yeah. and Carter still yeah. there. Yeah, he outlived Nixon. He outlived Ford. He outlived um, the guy Lyndon B. Johnson. He outlived all those guys that put that Cuban that 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 embargo on Cuba. He outlived every last one. He just left in in a couple months ago. He just left. Yeah, and if he you think about it, you, know, you look. You know what's funny is is that Fidel and Che Guevara. Are pro- if you're looking at, like, revolutionaries, Che Guevara is probably John Lennon to Fidel being Paul McCartney. In the sense Absolutely. that, like, Che Guevara, you know, he was, like, the true believer of the cause, and Fidel was probably You know, Che's son died recently. Did you know that? His Che Guevara oh, I didn't know that. Senior. Yeah, he died in Mexico. He died in Mexico. He was sick, and uh, he, he passed away. He died. Yeah, his son, I think his uh, son, because I know Hezita, his first wife, died, and then the child that they had, if I'm not mistaken, he died. Che Guevara Jr., if um. it, 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 Ernesto Jr. is gone. He passed away, and he was wow. young. I think he was born, like, either 1978. No, I'm sorry. He was born in the 60s because, you know, all his kids have to have been born before he died sure. in the 60s. Absolutely. He died. But his oldest yep. son, if I'm not mistaken, one of his, one of Che's children just died, literally. Wow. Yeah. One of wow. his, what, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Mike. What do you feel? Do you feel that Fidel had anything with Che's capture in Bolivia? Do you feel that he set him up, or do you believe it was just poor planning plus Che being sick and just running out of options, running out of food, running out of money, Right, you know, and people and his 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 soldiers dying. Here's my gut. My gut is that Fidel didn't set him up or didn't didn't do anything, but he stopped protecting them. Right. So that's what I, I got. I, yeah, I don't think I think it was more like you know, um, Pontius Pilate. He just he he didn't cause it. He didn't prevent it. You know, because he didn't I mean, at it. the end of the day, yeah, I mean. Che was, he was, you know, it's a, it's a very hard pivot to go from revolutionary to governor. And Che couldn't do it. He was always, he was always in that revolutionary mode. He couldn't just sit still. Always. So he, he couldn't sit still. Know. He couldn't get out of it. No, he and couldn't Fidel, get out of that. Fidel was playing world politics, man. I mean, at first he didn't want to be anti-U.S. because the US, he was trying to, but then when he felt like the U.S. was going against him, he aligned with Soviets. Then when the Soviet Union fell, yeah, and then when they fell, it it was a couple of hard years for them, but then they aligned with, um, you know, Hugo Chavez, and he was able to support his country then. He just kind of did what he had to do pragmatically to keep it afloat. Right, right. I mean, at one point, you couldn't even send a letter to Cuba. I had to send it to my to Jamaica or Spain to get it to go to to Cuba because when I went to Cuba, a lot of my my, my the people that drove the buses and all that they had bachelor's degrees and were doctors and stuff. They were doctors. Oh, yeah. They were educated. They weren't. Yeah. You know, when I was in Cuba, there wasn't like they, the guys didn't have like El Comandante. They didn't have guns. 
they had like dogs that were like collie dogs and and yep. you know a lot of the cars were from the 50s and the, they were still driving on diesel fuel because I remember getting sick because I smelled the, di- the diesel fuel was so <laughs> powerful in the tour truck that I was in and it was That's just hilarious. like you know yeah I, it's just like you know it, it was really it, it was really sad you know Hugo Chavez died you know that was his mm-hmm. his friend and, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it, it's just interesting when I look back at Che Guevara, I mean, he was the John Lennon of the revolution and, you oh. know, and, and, and it's crazy because Fidel went back to Bolivia in, in 1997 and finally got Che's bones 30 years after Che died in 1967. That's crazy. Like so a father bone of children. Did you leave before, after Noriega, before, during? Oh, I left uh-huh. in 1975. I left, oh, God, I just revealed my age. But, oh, God, but I, I left after, I left uh, before, Nor- before there was ever a thing called Noriega, I was out of there. I was gone. You know, and then a part of my family is from Colombia. My my mother's father is from Colombia, Laisa San Andres Providencia. So my mother, we have a huge, 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 huge family in Colombia, and then, of course, you know, my family is, was lived in Colón and the Ciudad de Panama. So I was born in the city. Spanish is my first language. We look at us, they, you know, they call us Afro-Latina, like Celia Cruz, you know. So you would never think that, you know, we're Hispanic because we don't look it. But when you hear us speak and you come to our house and eat our food, you know, you know it's up. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Wow, this is amazing. Wow, you have the most interesting, enriching life. Um, you have Actually, stories. You have, you should be doing a. I shouldn't tell you what you should be doing. You we're we're gonna wait for your documentary <laughs> because you are you know extremely talented. You have many gifts. Uh, you're a singer, songwriter, executive producer, an author, a musician. Um, you play multiple instruments. You've traveled the world. Is there anything that's coming up for you that you want the world to know about that we can share on the show today? Yes. So I will tell you this one. So outside of my single, please go check me out, Mike Smith, Spotify, iTunes, my song, You're My Kind of Beautiful. I have a song uh, with an artist that um, is on a label that I own with RZA from Wu-Tang Clan called Razor Sharp. So the song is called Alibi, and she's singing on it. It's, it's a song I wrote, and then I'm performing on it with her, but she's singing on it. And we are actually going to be releasing that probably in the next 60 days or so. And I feel like it's going to – I have a hunch it's going to be really, really big. Like a, I'm playing Carlos Santana to her Michelle Branch, let's put it that way. And her name's Chanel Sosa. And wow. the song's got a really cool vibe. She's an incredibly gifted artist. Uh, she's a young girl, she's from New York, she's got a lot of heart, you know, somebody that RZA discovered, and, you know, RZA's one of the greatest producers of all time, so if RZA discovered mm-hmm. her, she's amazing. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be putting that song out in about 60 days, and we're going to be pushing that real hard. Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations on that upcoming Thank song, you. too. We're going to look forward to hearing it and have you, having you back on the show. How yeah, can we get in touch it. with you and follow you? Because, you know, we want to keep in touch with you as well. So check me out at Mike Smith Inc. on Twitter and Instagram. So Mike Smith Inc., I-N-C. And then on Facebook, it's uh, Mike Smith Producer. Or you can go to my website at MikeSmith.net. It's got all the links there, too. 
Well, Mike, you are doing some amazing things. We are so happy that we had the opportunity to not only interview, we just ended up in a full-blown conversation. You know that? Yeah, this was a blast, man. This is awesome. Yeah, this is amazing. We were were supposed to be on for a few minutes, and I was like, man, screw the minutes. Let's talk here. You know, it's like, you know, one thing led to another. You know, it's like, you know, so this this is amazing, and... We're just really grateful to have had the opportunity to chat it up with you. Uh, we have a lot in common, and, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to, you know, hearing more about you, learning more about you, and staying in touch with you because, you know, you're onto some amazing things. You're definitely, you know, you're definitely, uh, so, so, so on some aspects you've been hiding, and it's time for you to, like Dana Ross said, coming out, I want the world to know I'm coming out. And, I mean, it's time to let – you've already been out, but it's time for, you know, people to, to really see you and, and, and pay attention to what's happening. He's on the Billboard charts currently with uh, his song, uh, You're My Kind of Beautiful, amazing song. It's still playing in my head. So that's not easy because it's like, you know, I'm a music junkie. And so for me to, you know, have this song playing in my head, it definitely got to me. Um, we just actually just followed you on uh, on Instagram also. Oh, so, great. Thank you very much. I yeah, that. Yeah, I just followed you on Instagram. So, Mike, it was wonderful interviewing you. Thank you so much. I will be in touch with you as well. Um, and, okay. and we just want to thank you for, for, for being your kind of beautiful on the show with us today. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. This was a great, great time. Thanks for having me. Take care. The pleasure's all mine. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Kimberly Jessica signing off today. We just interviewed the amazing Mike Smith. Guys, you got to go check him out. He is the uh, one of the hosts and the creator and executive producer for the hip-hop reality show, One Shot. You can catch it on BET. He also has a book out. You can go get his book. You can go to his website and check him out, MikeSmith.net. Uh, and, and check out all the things that he's up to. He's also a singer, a songwriter, an artist, and a musician. Mike is up to some amazing things. And his family's from Cuba as well. How does it get any better than that, folks? Thank you for listening in today to our radio show. We'll be back soon. We're going to take a break. But in the meantime, before we take the break, we're going to actually let you guys listen to My Kind of Beautiful by Mike Smith. Check it out, folks, and then go to iTunes and buy the song. Thanks, folks, for listening in. Take care. When I see you standing there, I don't know what to say. Hey, all my thoughts escape me. I can't look away, don't wanna look away. What can I do? Get you just to look my way Don't wanna walk away You're my kind of beautiful 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 When I see you walking down the street that way Want to make my move before you turn away Oh, please don't turn away What can I say? What can I say? To get you just to look my way Oh, please don't turn away You're my kind of beautiful You're my kind of beautiful Such a 
with the New York style. So Don't walk away. I don't know if I will see you again. 